Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, welcome to Ruthie, Uni, Dad and Me. I'm Ruthie. And I'm Dad, and it's lovely to see you. It's a lo- Well, not... S- oh, it's lovely to see me. I thought you meant it's lovely to see the listeners, and I was going to say... I think we should do a sound check. A sound check? Yes. How are you going to check the sound? We're, I'm going to check the sound with uh, a lame joke. Don't you hate it when people answer their own questions? I do. Not your best work. No. I'm in a band called 999 Megabytes. Not very good, though. We've not even managed to get one gig. Good. I like that. That's a a good lame joke. Thank you, thank you. I didn't know you'd join in with the uh, lame joke department. Oh, there you go. We seem to be recording, so... So I'm actually quite tired, Dad. You're always tired. Why particularly this week? No, not this week. Just just today, because so, I um, got rudely awakened. You got rudely awakened? Tell I me. I got rudely awakened. So I was asleep, happy as Larry, in my in little, little bed. In your little room. My I little know, tiny I've, room. I've seen your little room. It's only yeah, small, you can, but tidy. What did you think of the... Yeah, I, you've got to keep a room like that tidy, although actually right now it's not as tidy. But it's so small. It, as soon as you drop one thing on the floor, it's just like... It is a small room. It's one of those rooms where... It doesn't... It feels like I've not got that much stuff in it, so it doesn't Mm. feel that busy. You know, I've only got one little set of drawers and Mm. my wardrobe is, like, in the wall. So it actually doesn't feel as small as it could, I don't think. Yeah, it's quite a sort of minimalist lifestyle. It's it's very sort of Japanese. It's a small room. Or as comedians used to say in the UK, it's so small that uh, when you close the door, the doorknob jumps into bed with you. <laughs> it's that small. It's not that small. It's pretty small. But you know, what is even smaller is the kitchen that you've now seen. So you can... All these stories that I've ever told about the kitchen and how t- gross it is and how it's ridiculous that we share it between 24 people... But anyway, it's tucked up well, in my bed. What's the kettle situation, by the Because last Oh, kettle get. Uh, kettle get continues. Um, so I rang the college administrator, who then told me to ring this other number, which I have just not rang yet. Because, oh, right, so it's yeah. not, not their fault, it's your fault. So Something I rang the first number, they told me to ring the other number, and then this other number told me to ring another number. So then I thought, well, F it, we'll just use the broken kettle. So using the broken kettle, it leaks. It leaks. Yeah. But Do you there's, find it, there's it a good game going on where everyone who now tries to pour the kettle says that they can pour it without it spilling and they say that there's a specific tactic to it. But there's absolutely not. There's no way to pour that kettle without spillage. Mm. Do you find it different? This is what I've been wanting to ask you. When you, you build yourself up to making a call, right, to calling maintenance... I find it, even at my advanced age, that if I've built myself... Advanced, you can say that again. (laughs) If I've built myself up to, say, ring my accountant up about something, and the accountant says, that's fine, you just have to ring the tax office. 
and if I ring the tax office and it goes on to voicemail or whatever, or I don't get to speak to them straight away, that's it, basically. Mm. I've made the call that I've built myself up to making. And then it's so difficult to make a second and a third and a fourth. And I think a lot of uh, business is run like that. They know you're not going to take that much trouble. And yeah. certainly on the, on the internet, click here. So you click there. Then you have to click somewhere else. And eventually, you just give up. Yeah. I'm just worried that I've passed this... Do you think it's a gene? The thing is, I'll be like, right, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And if it doesn't work out on the first try, then I probably don't need to do it. I think think you've inherited the giving up gene. Uh, W.C. Fields... Great great news, then. Yeah, W.C. Fields, a comedian you've probably never heard of from was in comedy films in the 30s. W.C. Fields used to say, if at first you don't succeed... Give up. There's no, no point in being a fool about that. I think if at first I don't succeed, I'll try one more time. Mm. But I was in the middle of a story. Oh, yeah, tell me I was saying story. that I'd been, I'd been rudely awakened because I was tucked up in my bed and um, I hear someone shouting down the corridor, like, so loudly. And there's not very many people on my corridor because a lot of the rooms are empty. So I walk out of my room in my pyjamas and there's a boy stood there who is so out of his mind, drunk or high or whatever... And so I say, hello, <laughs> what do you want? And so he's looking for this boy who's on my corridor. So I direct him to his room and I say, it's straight down the, on the left, go back to my room, pick up my phone to say to this boy, like, there's, he's screaming down the corridor, he's going to your room now, though, so just, like, keep him in there. And think, right, all done, OK. Uh, then I hear him stumbling around again. He's clearly not gone into this other boy's room. Uh, so I come out of my room again and I'm like, right. So he says... Bob's not in his room. I don't, you know, what, what should I do or whatever. Um, so I go back into my room. Um, so I go back into my room, uh, pick up my phone again to say, like, oh, you're not in your room, so, like, what do you want me to do or something? Uh, come uh, come out of my room. And John has walked to the other side of the corridor, past my showers, to the next set of showers. He's got the door open, just pissing in the shower, you know, as you do then he comes out of the shower with two like takeaway boxes of chips which he didn't have before getting in the shower <laughs> so I didn't understand whether he'd put them in there for safekeeping and perhaps Went gone back, back gone. for them yeah, yeah. have no idea uh, and so then the Bob's message to say that he's just outside and if I could just send the boy outside like take him to the door and just put him outside which I was like yeah okay that's fine and I say so I say to John like oh well the chips I think got wet not that I know of. No. I don't think so. I think maybe he'd actually had them in the shower, picked them up, put then I don't know. Didn't didn't watch unbelievably. Then the boy goes, Ah, oh, no, I don't want to go outside. I think I'll just wait in his room. He's left his door unlocked, so he just goes in there and then Bob's like, Oh, can you just wait in the room with him until like I can come upstairs or whatever, which is not very long in fairness. Um and so then I'm just sat at three AM with this like kettered up boy in someone else's bedroom just thinking this is a real low mm. and was he was he naked all this time no 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 one was naked for any of the time okay yeah, it's the sort of thing the parents i would mention i think i would mention <laughs> if someone was naked in this story well, no one's naked dad. no one's naked in the story at all and what time is this is it the middle of the night yeah like 3 a.m i'm i was like half asleep right because you're always tired anyway i am mm. everyone is though when was the last time you went tired? 72? Yeah, around about then. Yeah. 
I've got good news for you. You do? Yeah, men are no longer necessary. Honestly, I've been waiting to hear that my entire life. Well, as the future comes nearer and we start colonising planets, it's going to be pointless sending men up there because apparently they've done tests on frozen sperm which can survive the weightlessness of space. This study's involved repeatedly exposing semen to zero gravity and then checking for signs of degradation. Well, it showed there's no need to waste rocket fuel on sending men up to colonise the cosmos because there's no problem. You can get frozen sperm, right? Send it up there with the women and there will be women-only crews going. That's how we will colonise the planets, which is something... Brilliant! Yeah, there you go. Science fiction writers and even NASA itself have long mooted the idea of taking women-only crews on extended space missions. And now they can do it. Helen Sharman, who was... Do you know the name Helen Sharman? Yeah, I have heard of her name, she yeah. was She was the first British astronaut and she's produced a paper arguing that single sex crews are best for cohesion and women were preferable to send up there mm. because I get that. they were I more think... likely to cooperate. So in fact the future... I think it's like that in everything that single um I think there's been studies done when it's about single sex schools, which is shows a similar thing in that men work better when there's women there, but women work better when it's all women. Mm. Well, so they, there, there you go. go. Same yeah. with astronauts. Yeah. Makes perfect sense really. I mean I would be surprised if there wasn't massive, like, romances and affairs and bickering that went on when there's men and women living in such, like, tight proximity like that. I've been doing a lot of thinking this Mm, week. Good, good. I was hoping you had. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, there was that one week when I told you I hadn't thought it at all. Yeah, I said, what's on your mind? And you said nothing, which doesn't really work for this podcast, which is uh, supposedly all about life at university. Mm. But I've been doing a lot of thinking. So I went for, I'm writing some some stuff and writing a play and stuff. And one of the things that I had to do was an exercise where I wrote everything that frightened me and everything that made me hopeful Mm. about the world and stuff as a kind of thinking of ideas and coming up with things and free writing is where you write for a set amount of time usually it's five minutes without letting your pen like leave the paper basically when you're not allowed to stop you just have to keep writing and keep writing and so I started with what I was frightened about and you come up with the big things that are like climate change and the fear of like the growth of technology and will there be jobs for for you in the future if Mm. if the machines take over and all those things and then I was thinking more and more about it and I was like am I truly frightened of that because as much as climate change is a massive worry and I think it is a really big fear for our generation and Mm. stuff I wasn't sure whether it actually really frightened me because I don't know I think there's a part of everyone that kind of thinks well we'll figure that out you know like humans will we'll just we'll just figure it out I don't know how I don't know who but we'll figure it out eventually but when I was really thinking about what frightened me it wasn't any of these issues that are of my generation it was all the classic ones I think humans have always had which is just I'm frightened that I'll be lonely I'm frightened that I won't be happy. I'm frightened that I'll have to do a job I won't like. Very selfish problems, really. Mm. They weren't the big ones that everyone... You know, I wasn't frightened of oppression in the third world and those kind of things, which you should, probably I should be, but the things that were frightening were the 
very like personal ones. I, I don't know. I wonder, if, I wonder if climate change is one of those things. I just wonder if we've almost become immune to the fear because there's so much about it mm. in in the papers. There is a lot of eco anxiety, loads of it, according to um, yet more research. The scale of the climate crisis has led to an increase in reports of eco anxiety, particularly among children and teenagers. Health experts have said. Uh, images of smoke billowing over the burning Amazon forest or those Australian bushfires yeah. have led to more people reporting anxiety, helplessness, guilt or anger over climate change, according to psychologists and uh, psychiatrists. This has been particularly acute for children and young people, according to mental health practitioners who said they were getting more requests for help from schools. So I'm just wondering if... It's almost stopping us from coming up with solutions, the fact that... What, being so scared? Well, yeah, well it's on such a level, and it's, so, you know... When, I think fear mm, a lot of times pushes people there to get stuff done. Mm, but say, for instance, you're a student studying French and Spanish and linguistics. <laughs> there's not, a, you know, you, you're not studying... For example, you know, for, hypothetically speaking. Hypothetically speaking, you're not in a position to come up with a solution. And I'm just I don't know, if, if, um, maybe a bit of it is, it's kind of gone past the the, like everyone can just do their bit thing I think we need like some big radical solutions yeah, or whatever so and I'm not the person that's going to come up with us no so yeah. um, because we need some big radical solutions we will carry on driving our cars and going on aeroplanes etc etc it sounds to me when I read about it that we should probably say well I'm not going on holiday this year because or I'm certainly not flying anywhere this yeah. year because of the incredible amount of CO2 that that produces. Yeah. Like, for instance, let's say, for instance, another hypothetical case. Say, for instance, uh, you're the heir to the throne of the United Kingdom. Yeah, just another random hypothetical. Yeah. Um, and then you're using private jets and uh, helicopters to go and talk to people about climate change. Prince Charles flew more than 16,000 miles in less than a fortnight, clocking up a carbon footprint 18 times larger than that of the average UK resident in a year. He did that in a fortnight to travel to the World Economic Forum in Davos to shake hands with Greta Thunberg, you know, who, in fairness to her, doesn't doesn't fly. So it seemed that's a massive amount, but... We accept it because he is the heir to the throne and one assumes his presence but, yeah, I just, is important. I don't know how it all weighs up and I don't know what the solution... Like, I don't know whether it is that there needs to be a radical solution or whether we could just solve it by everyone going vegetarian and not flying anymore. But for some people, they say we're past the point of no return anyway regardless of what we do. Yeah, so, so then, no, no point. But I, th- then I also don't know whether that's true or whether it's not true. How I don't know how you're meant to know. Yeah. Well, that's the problem with climate change, isn't it? Mm. But, uh, but it just, it just it's, doesn't... It's not a great fear of yours. It, it does. It is a fear, but and it is a concern and stuff. But when someone asks me to write what frightens me, it's not what keeps me up at night. It's not what makes me cry. It's not... It's too distant... It's too... I, I don't know whether it's because I'm incredibly narcissistic, but it's well, too outside it of myself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, know I don't. Exactly what you mean. I don't know whether humanity... You well, know, the, like, it's impossible for us to think about the vastness of space and time. Like, we just cannot wrap our heads around it as humans. I don't know whether it's impossible... It might just be a me thing, impossible for me to wrap my head around climate change. Yeah. But I what I can thing, is no. the idea that I'll end up alone. Like that's a tangible fear that I don't need 
help understanding. Well, we're almost concerned about. I mean, if I looked most at most concerned about myself. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when we do colonize other planets, and it's a you know a matriarchy, if you like, mm. if it's <laughs> an interplanetary matriarchy, when that happens and it's all women, there's no men uh, up there, mm. what happens if somebody wants a jar opening? Uh, <laughs> oh, my does, God. What See, look, you've just, we were having a lovely discussion. Now you've just made it ridiculous. What, what happens if there's, there may be spiders up there? I do spiders. No, I'm not I, scared of spiders. I've never asked you to do a spider for me. Yeah, I, think you have. I haven't. Well, you say that. I, well, I haven't. Well, certainly, if you haven't, the other daughters have, and uh, your mother has. And probably certainly. David. David's my brother, by the way. Mm. But the second part of the task was what makes you hopeful. So I've got something that I saw that I thought, well, that makes me feel hopeful about the world. Um, other than, I think, you, my own relationships and whatever. State school in one of the London's poorest boroughs secured 41 offers to study at Oxford and Cambridge Universities, school, the school Brampton Manor mm-hmm. in Newham. Newham, yeah, Newham. East London, West Ham yeah. country, that. So, and it rivals the best like private schools and stuff. But not only that, I saw that article and it reminded me of my college this year has got 40 places, states, like state school college in the north of England, it's got f- secured 40 places, well, 40 offers for Oxford and Cambridge this year. That's good. I Isn't mean, that, that is really good. That's that brilliant. So, yeah. And people still care. They care about, and I think that shows you a wider thing of, they care about learning stuff for the sake of learning things, which I think is brilliant. Like, mm. the, you know, you can talk about these degrees that seem silly, like like mine, for instance. You know, I've got Google Translate. Most people in the world speak English. So there's really no need. Or English literature or history, the liberal arts degrees, mm. theatre. Um, but people go and they do these courses because they find this, like, human fabric or stuff whatever just so interesting and that makes me feel very hopeful that people still want to go to oxford and cambridge because they're the schools where they think they'll be the best yeah i think that's great that is fantastic something else that made me feel sort of hopeful optimistic uplifted etc was the windermere children which was on uh, bbc and it was about holocaust survivors kids so the kids because there were a lot of very young people uh, in the camps when they were liberated by the uh, russians in uh, 1945 and they set up this charity here in the UK where about a, th- I think, the, well, I think there's a thousand in all, but there's about three or four hundred went to this place in Windermere in the Lake District and were rehabilitated. You, know what, you said the Windermere children and never put those two words together. Like Lake Windermere. Oh, didn't you know it was a, it No, was I've heard of... I obviously know what Lake Windermere is, but you said the Windermere children to me a few times before we started recording, and I'd never thought, oh, they must have been at Lake Windermere. Well, that's where they were. So they're there in this uh, fairly unlikely setting of uh, the Lake District, absolutely beautiful, and they'd sort of come there directly from the hell that was the concentration camps, and there was one kid who'd been in four different camps, and they rehabilitated these kids, which you'd think they would almost be on, beyond help because you know the hell that they'd lived through and they all had night terrors and that you could hear in the evenings when they were sleeping in this sort of camp at Windermere where they were you could just hear them screaming in the night loads mm. of the kids and everything and it was just a fantastic story and it was brilliantly done I understood then why people who uh, like myself who come from a sort of immigrant background 
tend to be so patriotic and think this is such a great country. Uh, and I know you sometimes can't understand when we're having the uh, Brexit argument that, you know, I'm with Boris Johnson on that, not on the Brexit argument, but on the fact that this is a great country and we can do great things and we're not... Because they uh, took you in, not, in a way. The immigrant families that, that I came from came over at the sort of turn of the 20th century and it was the, the Cossacks that uh, drove them out. It's the fact that the UK is generally reasonably welcoming whatever the uh, political discourse is people here i think by and large yeah i don't know i think more so 20 years ago but more so in the world 20 years ago I think well, we're, it's, a we're, it's a totally different world. Yeah. It's a totally different world. And the scale of people from Africa, for instance, who would want to come over here is that much larger than the... Uh, yeah, but that shouldn't, that shouldn't change how tolerant we are as a nation. No, but politically it changes things. It is a lovely country, by and large, and by and large... Relatively people, speaking, as well. Yeah, but, relatively speaking, but... But you know, then also, like, I think you've got to remember when you're having this conversation, when you're having this argument, is that... You come from a, me too, obviously, come from a, a place of in, incredible privilege in which this country is tolerant. But there are people in this country who that is not their experience. No, and, and, and they are. And, and so then when it comes to the, the argument of Tory austerity or whatever, and you hear people say, yeah, but you know, it will be fine and whatever, for some people it just won't be. And, and and you've got to recognise your privilege when you're saying that it is, a, it is a brilliant country. It's a brilliant country for you, for some people who get stuck in terrible systems, in terrible situations, who were the survivors of Grenfell. It's a terrible country. You yourself are saying that this school in Newham, and I know Newham is a very multicultural area. I suspect most of those 40 Oxford and Cambridge people would be from an Asian background. I would say, I would guess, so that's just a pure guess, yeah. a lot of them would be from a South Asian background. What I'm saying is... Why bring the country down all that? And I know it was all not part all of the, the time. Brexit not argument. all the time. I'm not saying well, that, and I'm not right saying that we should be. Three years of Brexit. Yeah, but I, I'm not saying that now. I'm not saying that we should be completely pessimistic. I'm just saying that it is a country which is not not great for everyone. And no, well, nothing that's... can be great for everyone. No, but it needs you to know, be acknowledged. You, but it's not going to be like that. There was, all, and I suspect, even when these Jewish kids were being rehabilitated beautifully by these people who were a lot of volunteers and all that. Uh, when that was happening, I said some people were still people will be poor, people will be underprivileged. Mm. That is going to happen. But in, in and a it country of, we're a of great wealth, country, which people keep saying, racism is institutionalised in Britain. I think though. In what way? Uh, we need. We can't get onto this again because we've done it in the past like three weeks. No, I know because people will say. But it, it is. It is right. It true. is true that many institutions in Britain are, on some level, whether it be subconscious or not, racist black people and multiple black people who have been given a platform have said it and I'm I'm going to agree with them because I don't have the personal experience of it happening to me because I'm incredibly lucky Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs learn more at uh1.com Hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Should we lighten it up with a bit of music? Yes, let's have a bit of music. Let's start with yours this week. Wait, I think we started with mine last week. Did we? Mm-hmm. Well, two two weeks in a row. She sits pretty overthinking her speech, but there ain't nobody else who dares speak. And just don't mess with her parameters. A old man's in the mafia, a stone cold killer, all this Englishman that I'm in and when it rains, it rains Orange juice from England The day you desire for a week She brings a ready game Is it any wonder why I feel so fun? That was OJPL um, by Easy Life uh, who are an English group formed in 2017 so fairly recent mm, in Leicester, Leicester Leicester yeah Leicester which you don't hear many groups coming from Leicester no? like they've 13 million um, listens for their, their most famous song Nightmares um, which is a really good song as well if you and, listen, and, and I just think that's an incredible trajectory in about two and a half years or whatever they've gone from being formed to being like massively popular playing at festivals they were on at lost village in manchester i think last last year um, and really good song and then i also kind of chose them because when my friends said something at which i thought was absolutely hilarious and kind of spot on for all my um, music selections they just went to me we were like chatting about music and they just went no your your taste in music is it's exactly this and it's people with noticeable working class accents singing over lo-fi hip-hop beats which is um, <laughs> what that is so. yeah well yeah, that don't sound, like, sound that working class it's more regional accents regional actually accents, yeah. yeah well Leicester I'm a sucker for a regional accent I know you are uh, Leicester doesn't have a particularly distinctive region it's no. the East Midlands this was kind of like they don't sound like they're from London no. quite it's not RP but it's no East Midlands uh, they say me ducks me ducks uh, me ducks is a very East Midlands thing tough brush uh, Tough brush. Eye. I'll tell you what about Leicester. Leicester's—they've—they've they've sort of smartened it up in recent years, but it never, was never a particularly attractive place. Leicester, a big city, quite uh, diverse. The famous people who came from Leicester were uh, Joe Orton, who was a playwright. Have you ever heard of Joe Orton? No, I haven't actually. You should read some of his stuff. You'd really love it. Will he, do. Was, he was a well-known playwright from Leicester. What, do you know any of the names of his players? Because yes, could what, what the butler saw. Lo- right. Loot is another one. Oh. And have you heard of the Elephant Man? I have because Bradley Cooper, I think, played him on stage in, in a theatre. Yeah, yeah, at some point, but yeah. I think it was a very like celebrated performance or something. Yeah, well, John Hurt was a very celebrated performance. He may even have won an Oscar for it. But John Hurt played the Elephant Man in a film sort of early eighties. 
and uh, the guy's name was Joseph Merrick and he was born with like hideous deformities and because mm. at the time he was around there was still the old freak show thing they used to display him at scientific lectures and talk about the deformities and things and he was very difficult to look at because he was born with these you know with hunchback and uh, facial deformities and all that and somebody suggested because it was so groundbreaking, and it didn't lead to medical advances and things. There should be a statue of uh, Joseph Merrick, the Elephant Man, in the city of his birth, Leicester. And somebody did post somewhere on some social network. Surely not. Leicester's ugly enough as it is. Oh, no, but that's it's, awful. It's awful. That's I know it's is. awful, but it's mildly amusing. <laughs> uh, shall we hear mine? Yes, go on. Here we go. This is the great man, Johnny Cash. Well, I woke up Sunday morning With no way to hold my head That didn't hurt And the beer I had for breakfast Wasn't bad, so I had one more for dessert Then I fumbled in my closet Through my clothes and found my cleanest dirty shirt uh, Sunday morning coming down by uh, Johnny Cash. And I thought, as you're such a fan of uh, Dolly Parton, we'd play a little bit of proper country music. Hey, Dolly Parton is well, proper country is, music. She is, I know, but a lot of her stuff is sort of crossover pop. Uh, that's uh, the great Johnny... Don't you come into this into my home and tarnish Dolly Parton's name? No, I love Dolly Parton. No, I really did enjoy that very much, sir. Yeah, and I, well, I, thought, I thought you would associate with, with that because he's clearly, Sunday morning, he's woken up with uh, a hangover. There's no part Don't of Don't really head. go out on Saturdays very often, actually. All oh, right. Well, anyway, he's went over the. I thought the hangover bit you might. <laughs> although you don't, you don't suffer from hangovers. However, not really, no, no. But that's an age thing. That yeah. yeah. So be careful. I don't. think twenty twenty one is when people start to get yeah. hangovers. Well, that was uh, Johnny Cash, one of the best-selling music artists of all time. Uh, he's crossed over into rockabilly, rock and roll, uh, folk, gospel, all sorts of things. Uh, born in Arkansas. The place you used to call Arkansas, I seem to remember. No, I call it Arkansas when I need to spell it, obviously. <laughs> I'm sure you said... No, I don't. I've never Arkansas. called it Arkansas. Oh. I've never called it Arkansas because in the song, a song called Home by Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros, it starts off by saying Alabama, Arkansas. OK, fair enough. And was one of your sisters then. Or your brother. Yeah, they're all idiots, the other ones. Uh, born in Arkansas to poor cotton farmers, uh, Johnny Cash rose to fame in the prominent country music scene in Memphis, uh, Tennessee. Spent four years in the United States Air Force. Absolutely fantastic, Johnny Cash. Known as the man in black because he used to wear black clothes all the time. And that's why they called him the man in black. Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> so creative. And uh, also uh, did concerts in prisons. A very famous concert in Folsom Prison. Uh, and it's on an album, I think, called Johnny Cash at Folsom Prison. More imagination there. Wow, gosh, <laughs> you know... <laughs> <laughs> so he did this thing, uh, yeah, Johnny Cash at Folsom Prison, and that's been named as one of the greatest albums of all time, alongside things like Sgt Pepper and... Blood uh, on the Tracks. Blood on the Tracks and that Nirvana album, uh, uh, Nevermind. The Come As You Are one, with yeah. the baby, the naked baby. Never. You're right, it's called Nevermind. It, says it, it only says it little at the bottom. Mm. Well, let's uh, look at the emails now, Ruth. 
Oh, we got some then. A couple, not many. Uh, Phil says, Dear both, love the podcast and all of your discussions. I enjoy discussing the content with my recently graduated daughter, as our circumstances and worldly outlooks seem so very similar to both of yours. Seeing there we were thought we were being dead original. <laughs> he says, I struggle to keep up with the modern world, which seems to be changing at a much faster rate in recent years than ever before. Don't we I th- all? I think the world change is changing at such an unbelievable pace like compared to two years ago i think it's so different Mm. having just watched this week's uh, university challenge i would love to know whether ruthie would applaud trinity college cambridge (laughs) for including and he says i don't know what the modern term is but we used to call them transvestite i think it was probably um, i think it's probably someone who's transgender it was somebody who's transgender i haven't actually watched the program Um, or would she be criticising both teams for going with the very much standard three men and a woman? Uh, which bit of PC do you go for? Um, I don't think there were three. I think it's mostly uh, two two women and two men now. If I'm waiting for your appearance on University Challenge, have you have has they offered you or uh, auditioning for the, University the Challenge? There was right at the start of the term, but we've been knocked out now. Got knocked out by you, Durham, I think. Yes, York did get knocked. We watched we watched the one where we got knocked out. It's very sad. Sad yeah. days. It's a shame that uh, you're not. You decided not to go for an audition. For I would. Challenge. There is absolutely no, not a cat's chance in hell that I would get on it. Oh, I, I wish you would. I really wish you would. I, I, I just. I'll. I, next time they do that, I mean, I'll go sit in the room for an hour and guess at some questions. But I just. I can only ever answer one or maybe two on a very good week. Yeah. Well, when you when you've been sitting at home sometimes watching it with myself and your mum. Um, we usually get about two, two each. Yeah. Uh, except when they go into a popular culture round, I usually do quite yeah, well. It's you have to really hope they come with a sixties films or music round. Yeah. Phil is in Brentwood, which of course is in Essex, and says, "Come on, you irons," which is obviously a reference to uh, West Ham because uh, Brentwood in Essex very much West Ham country. Mm. Uh, Dave, Tucker. I just got a really funny email. I just saw it pop up because we were doing emails. So in my for syntax which is the linguistics module that i have to take we have to do these exercises and it's often like breaking down sentences and writing uh, doing these things that are called word trees this is all incredibly boring but noun phrases then have determinant phrases with different articles and whatever you have to break down the sentences but she's put we've got to do these exercises for this week and she puts no there are some typos in this exercise it's not new york should be los angeles not tomatoes should be apples like (laughs) they're not typos they're just wrong words i just thought that was really quite hilarious uh dave tucker to go back to the emails says hi martin and ruth still living the tales of university life as it's not so long ago that my daughters spoke about the same issues Mm. so we've got two sort of people with daughters uh, people with daughters older white men with daughters which is uh, a niche niche (laughs) really however can i ask where you got and who did the picture for the podcast cover truly shocking um oh we actually rather liked it didn't we i like it i think it was somebody in the uh, times's graphics department who did it and we thought i don't know their name though no we don't know the name but uh, we thought it was quite good so uh, i liked it yeah i liked it too if you do want to send us an email, because I say we were fairly thin in the post bag this week, as we used to call it many years ago, uh, the address to write to is martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. That's martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. And we always love to hear from you, because the more that you do, the less that we have to do. 
here's something. Now that we're empty nesters, because we did decide when we were doing this podcast that when you went off to uni, it would be about you still, but also about myself and your mum, who are now uh, empty nesters, because you're the last of our uh, brood to uh, leave. And mm-hmm. as an empty nester, you worry whether you've you've done all the right things to help you all achieve what you want to achieve, and, you know, just be grown up and you know live a decent, happy life. Uh, somebody's addressing this. It's a good idea for a book, actually. And unfortunately, she's now written this book. It's called. It's uh, annoying that, isn't it, when someone else writes a yeah, good idea? It is annoying. It's uh, although the idea is not the hard bit. The the writing. The writing is the hard, is bit. The hard bit. Correct. How to grow a grown up? The book's called How to Grow a Grown Up. Prepare your teen for the real world by Dr. Dominique Thompson and Fabienne Vales. And uh, there are various sections in it, and that some of them I think are really, really uh, good. But one section which we've already not done is uh, <laughs> don't go with them to university open days. Ten years ago, you the- didn't. No, I didn't. But I think your mum. Mum, did. mum didn't. I didn't. Literally, I didn't go to any. I went to. I went to Durham. That's it. That's the only open. And then York. I went to on my own. I thought your mum went to Durham with you. Did she? She go- went to Durham with me. Yeah. But then I went to York on my own. I went to. Manchester, Manchester on my own. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, what she says. <laughs> Any of the more like neglect, neglect to do stuff ones, you've probably got, well, you left me to my that's own business. Absolutely good. The next one, probably not. But we'll read this. It says, don't go with them to university open days. Ten years ago, no one went with their parents. And now hardly anyone goes alone. This may seem a charming way for parents to engage in their child's life, but they may overly influence the decision when this is the child's perfect opportunity to research and decide for themselves which university in course they'll feel fully invested in and committed to I think you want to do both I think you want to go to one university open day on your own one with your parents mm, okay. but then also though like when mum went to Durham with me she was very much backseat yeah. I was doing my stuff and she didn't really say anything whether and I think if you have the relationship with your parents where I can be like what did you think of it and I know that you saying I really liked it is not a veiled you better, go you better go here. I think that's the thing. You want to develop that. So then when I, when I could say to mum, what did you think of it? And she was like, hmm, not sure it's absolutely for you. It's not, don't go there. Well, another chapter in the book says, stop driving them everywhere. Thompson knows plenty of students who have never been on a bus until they get to university. By removing obstacles, parents are removing opportunities to develop independence. Well, you, well, you see, that's ridiculous that because ridiculous I way. think that that means like, you know, kids who have been driven to college like every day, but like from the age of 11, I got the bus every yeah, day to you. school and then the train. Like, well, that's like, another mistake we've not made. Uh, the same goes for cooking, laundry, making appointments, and managing money. They should have these basic oh, life cooking. skills before <laughs> they leave, which means practicing from 15 or 16 at the latest. Her favourite story is of a student who put her jumper in the oven to warm it up <laughs> before wearing it and ended up burning down her accommodation. Oh, shit. That's really. Long. Bad. Yeah, um, but then again, like Mum has done a lot of that stuff for me, but I've still learned how to do it. Like, yes, I think, you know, I knew how to cook. Managing money, managing money, so probably much. not so much, but some stuff I think you do just kind of have to learn on the job. Yeah. Well, now Dr. Dominic Thompson, who's written this book, making appointments is a good one mm. though, because I know a lot of people who literally cannot pick up a phone and make an appointment because it's just terrifying. And mm. I do also think it is really scary, but mum wouldn't always do it for me yeah. so i can just about make a it is you're right actually just, just phoning people 
Because we don't do it no. barely at all anymore. Don't overshare. This, is, I think, is an interesting one. It probably wouldn't apply to us, but it, it probably, if, you, if, you, if you've got a single parent, this might apply to you. It says, don't overshare your own problems, and I can see this sort of happening. This is what she writes in the book. Part of the cultural shift from parenting to parenting, so it's from parenting oh, to parenting, <laughs> or being the, as a, being their best friend, has meant parents often involve their children too much in their own problems, mm. their dating life, work stress, or financial problems. Thompson says it's not fair on them, as they don't have the maturity to deal with it. They then worry about it, and if things go wrong in their own lives, uh, they don't feel they can tell you because you've got your own issues. Yeah. I think, I, I think that's really... That's wise advice, isn't it? Because mm. she was a campus GP, so obviously she came across... Uh, you'll have a campus GP, will you not? You'll have a doctor Yeah, on we've campus. got a thing called like Unity Health. It's at the other campus, but apparently it's really rubbish. I'm not, I'm, I'm not in it. I live close enough to home that I just would go to my normal doctor. Yeah? But yeah. So you don't, you don't have a doctor? I've not, just... I've not um, registered at a... York Shouldn't doctor. you register in case it's something you can't get back to uh, Wakefield with? But if it's or? something I can't get back to Wakefield with, it's probably A and E anyway, and you'd have to register for that. Mm. Well. I just I did think about it because then at the start of term, you know, they're always telling you to and whatever. But I just didn't think I needed to. Do you think I should? Yeah, I think you should really. Well, we can oh. throw this open to the. Uh, it could be a sort of. But I'm only ever throw this open half, to the listeners. Like forty minutes away. Well, well an hour away from her. You're only about an hour away. Yeah, I suppose you're right, but you know, if it's a if it's an urgent thing, I go, yeah. I would go to. Well, clearly, some people have been talking to the GP. I mean, she's been working in uh, Bristol. She says her practice was at the University of Bristol, which has been in the headlines for its suicide rate. She mm. says, "I'm afraid Bristol is not in isolation. It's not unusual for universities to have several deaths in a year, unfortunately." God, that's so, so sad. She, yeah, it is sad. And she, so she's obviously all these things that she's saying about parents not growing a, a growth up properly are contributing to uh, a mental health crisis which is sort of yeah has got well, I think a lot of these, so i don't think it's a new thing to say that like a lot of the problems that you have later in life are caused by your no, parents well, what's it, the philip the larkin poem every mm, yes we all yeah <laughs> indeed so well you know the philip larkin poem so. we know the philip larkin poem yeah basically the the overwhelming message from this is don't mix in too much she says and this is a direct quote from the book 20 years ago i could go a year without hearing from a parent by the time i left this is from bristol university by the time i left in 2017 i couldn't go a week without contact from parents mm. well sort of like helicopter parenting yeah. Yeah. way even when you're 19 yeah you don't need university. to do it anymore really the overwhelming thing in parenting is a uh, mind your own business <laughs> now the first question i ask you when we uh, when we meet on a wednesday usually is what are you eating we've decided you're not vegan because you had a block of cheese and not vegan not, not being vegan. vegan probably not even done a single day of vegan no but still a pescatarian yeah i mean i have been forever though basically mm. now so it doesn't really feel no it's not like an effort no but you'd be quite happy to date a vegan i presume yeah just put it out there i'd be happy to date a vegan mm. if they weren't you know, there's if a stereotype around vegan vegans, if isn't they there? They tell you every five minutes that they were vegan. Not even that. That's or not the bad you, thing. It's the. Off it w- I just. I wouldn't really go for someone who's like a massive hippie. I wouldn't date all vegans. 
but I wouldn't definitely not date a vegan. I think that's mm. well, the general rule on things, isn't it? I think that probably is the general rule. But there are some vegans who wouldn't date someone like you. <gasps> uh, apparently, well, I'll read you... Someone this. like me, specifically. I'll, I'll read you, yeah, someone like you specifically. I'll read you this quote from Carl Beaumont, 26, who identifies as vegan sexual because he dates only those with the same diet. He says, dating someone like Ruth Kellner, he says, dating a non-vegan would be like a socialist dating a Tory, he says. Over the past six months, there have been dating apps that have grown up for people like him. There's one called Vegly. Uh, it's a dating app for vegans, seen the number of users in Britain at nearly quadruple from 3,000 to 12,000. Uh, there's somebody else called Karen Ridges, who runs vegan speed dating nights under her company Veggie Vision, marketed with a picture of a young woman feeding a cherry tomato to a partner. And I, mean, <laughs> I completely get that. I think it's absolutely fair. You know, you want to dog people, go for dog people and... People who were religious. Is this a a horror movie? The dog people? No, you know. Roger Corman movie? Anyway, and people who are religious go for other religious people. You know, if your Mm. lifestyles and your values match up, then yeah. I don't think it's as mumbo jumbo y as it's kind of could be made out. You know what I mean? Well, that's fair enough. I think it just makes perfect sense. Yeah, the vegans date vegans. Yeah. Yeah. Not not in that I think that vegans should have to date vegans or that there are subclass of people who should only be with each other it's just you know i just think that that makes sense i think there's a there's a whole thing of like opposites attract and you want someone who challenges you no you want someone who's similar to you i think you do i think well i think that's how it ends up you always end up with people Mm. similar i think there's a romantic view in in rom-coms and romance films and whatever that you want someone who you argue with and you yeah, have that fire and that when Harry met Sally, yeah, when Harry met Sally or... Wow, um, <laughs> it's at least four podcasts since we've mentioned when Harry met Sally. Uh, and loads of other ones, Before Sunrise and 500 mm. Days of Summer, you know, those, re- those relationships that are so romantic and whatever. Mm. But in reality, vegans should date vegans. Do you want to hear something funny stuff? I'd love to hear some funny stuff. Okay, I'll read you my Your Crush first, because it's always not as good. My Your Crush from this week is a bit rude. Risqué. Risqué, that's but right. But I thought it's Does more it entertaining. Any, any of the better known... It's got, no expletives, it. it's got no expletives in it, it's just suggestive, you know? That's fine, be as suggestive as you like. JJ, that's the initials. Don't... <laughs> should we re-explain what Your Crush is? Yeah. It's basically, it's just the University of York and you post your anonymous crushes. love, love, yeah, crushes or whatever, of who you fancy. Um, JJ, don't tell your girl that you actually got your concussion from hitting your head off my headboard. Come get your jeans back if you dare. A lot of them are just, oh, I thought you were really fit, but that one's quite mm. detailed. That's, that was funny. It's clearly somebody who had sex. And then this is my your fess. These are confessions. These are confessions of things that have happened to people or whatever. To the guys fighting in Cuda, Cuda is the name of one of the nightclubs, to the guys fighting in Cuda's smoking area on Tuesday, when you touch foreheads for 10 seconds, staring at each other with pure passion, you gave me so much material for my homoerotic novel. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, while we're talking about touching foreheads... You've what, been, where, where could this possibly be going? You've been doing boxing. Oh, do they again. do that? Yeah, occasionally. It, not in my style of boxing. It's no. very hands-on. So how was it? Were you good? Were you well, bo- I go, I go every week? Saturday. 
Do you still go every Saturday? I thought you yeah. didn't. You went first Saturday, then you didn't go the next week. Yeah, then I didn't go the next week. But I've been going pretty much every week since right. then. I've gone every week this term, I think. Right, and you did yeah. it. You did a Tuesday session. I did a Tuesday. I never do the Tuesday one because apparently it's hard. It's like a lot more cardio and it's harder. It was difficult. The first half an hour, I thought I might die. Um, because it was like well, you were had you punching these... a bag, or were you actually punching? No, so people? the first half an hour was like cardio and stuff. It was a lot. We did a lot of skipping, burpees, um, suicides. Burpees? What are burpees? You go down to a press up position, then you jump your legs back in on the floor, and then you jump up in the air, oh, and right. then you go back down or whatever. We did these things called suicides, but I don't, I'm not sure that everyone calls them suicides. Where you're in a press up, and then you have to lower yourself down onto your forearms and then back up like that. I'm acting it out, which is excellent content. So that was just Arcadia. And then the boxing bit is like learning like combinations or whatever, wearing like pads mm. and gloves and stuff, and then just doing them with your partner. So you've got boxing gloves on? Yeah. But, but, but some people, like, so like there's boys who. You're punching who, pads, you're not punching. Uh, sometimes you punch each other's gloves. Sometimes you punch pads. You, one of you wears pads, one of you wears gloves. Right. Um, but. Like, there's some boys and they absolutely go for it and they're clear that they're very good and they, they train for, like, their fight nights that they're going to. Someone's got down to, for the first time at York, at York someone's got down, like, quite far in... So I feel like it was called, like, Brocks or Bucks or something, which is, like, quite good, I think, and they've got really far in it and they're representing the uni. But... You're not going to fight nights, though. You don't do any proper fights. No, I don't do any fighting. I don't. Thursday they do sparring practice where you have to wear like a gum shield and stuff. I don't go to that either. It's just fitness, really. There's a lot of girls there as well. Yeah, you can tell some people do it properly, but we just do the little combinations. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's marvelous having the opportunity to do all that. Yeah, though, it's it? it's good. You wouldn't yeah. really yeah. ever have. If you done hadn't it, gone you know. to university, you'd never have done it. No, no. You? So even if you don't come out a competent linguist, there's a good chance you'll. Uh, oh, I'll be. You'll be safe in a Anthony Joshua. Time <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get in touch, let me uh, just repeat the address again: Martin and Ruth Podcast at gmail dot com. That's Martin and Ruth Podcast, all one word at gmail dot com. And if you do want to listen to the songs from this week in full and the songs from all the other weeks, then you can go over to Spotify and just search Ruthie Uni Dad and Me or Martin and Ruth Podcast or Martin and Ruth or whatever you'll find it in the end even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. 
No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.